How y'all doing? You good? You awake? Got some coffee? Feeling good? So listen, this has been an historic weekend for our church. Um, I don't know if you got to come yesterday to the ribbon cutting. We had a ribbon cutting. I've never done a ribbon cutting. That's, that's kind of fun. Like they give you these big scissors, you know, and it's like, whoosh, like you could cut people's beards and hair and ears and stuff like that. They were like, I was expecting fake cardboard scissors and they were like real. We did that yesterday. I uh, had an uh, open house, tons of people in the building walking through, seeing it. Um, today, I mean, when's the last time I've ever done a grand opening? Never. Crazy. And then tonight, listen, tonight we kick off Encounter. Um, well, I technically we're kicking off this morning. I'm actually your first Encounter speaker. I didn't tell you because I thought you might not come back if you knew, right? So, um, but we're kicking off this morning. And then tonight we have Terry Furr. Um, coming from the refuge. Now, Terry, she came last year, and if you remember, I think she came on Tuesday night, and she brought like her whole, like a whole pod, posse of, of ladies, like prayer warriors, and you know, like people were getting like prayed over at the altar and prophetic words and encouragement, and it was amazing, even if you're not sure about stuff like that, right? It was just amazing. So that starts tonight. Terry's going to be with us tonight and tomorrow night. We're bringing her back for two nights. Um, yeah, it's a lot of women going woohoo, but the men should be like woohoo, you know, it's like she's good. Like she, anyway, and then Tuesday night we have Tyson Coughlin coming from Vision Church in Charlotte and Wednesday night, Jay Stewart, who he was the last person on the video. You saw him. Um, he'll be with us Wednesday night. I mean, you're not going to want to miss any of these nights. They are going to be so, so good. So anyway, on a historic weekend, I thought what I would do to kind of mark this occasion is I would open my sermon with the shortest intro in the history of preaching. You ready? That was it. Was it? So we're going to just jump right in. I know you're excited about it. So Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14, verses 3 through 9. We're going to read it. And um, this message is called This Beautiful Waste. This Beautiful Waste. So let's just, let's read this. We got it on the screen for you if you need it. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. This sounds like a perfume commercial, doesn't it? Made from the essence of nard. I don't know what that, it's awesome stuff. It's not lard. That would be southern cologne for men, right? Like, it's made from a tub of lard. This is the essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they said. It could have been sold for a year's wages. I don't know what you make in a year, y'all. But no matter if you're a teenager and you make like a couple hundred bucks or you are like a CEO and you're making six figures, a year's worth of wages is a year's worth of wages, right? That's a lot of money. She broke this open and she poured it on Jesus. Why this waste? It could have been sold and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly, verse 6. But Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, and you can help them whenever you want to. But you will not always have me. We're not going to teach them on this. That sounds a little cold, like Jesus is saying, um, you'll always have poor people. But what he was really saying was, y'all are acting like you're worried about this waste, but you ain't giving your life to the poor. That's what he's really saying. Okay, so don't give her a hard time like you would take this money and give it to the poor because I know you want to take this money and give it to you. 
okay? So Jesus loves the poor. He has a heart for that. We do too. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, wherever, somebody say wherever, wherever the good news is preached, it's being preached right here today. It's being, I know it's being preached in Delhi, India by Koshi, who will be here next week. That was exciting. It's being preached in Peru. We know it's being preached in China. And these are people that we know because we support them. We know it's being preached at the community table. Wherever the gospel is preached, Jesus said, this woman's deed, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. So can I just uh, give you three quick points? Uh, this beautiful waste. Here's the first one. Um, we're so quick. Let me get to it. We're so quick to, to judge people, like make judgment calls about the value of somebody's life, aren't we? Like, if you're a successful businesswoman, then what people will say about you is, you made it. You did it. You have made a good life for yourself. You're, you're, a, you're a winner. But let's just say you're a person that stands on the corner and holds a sign, then what you do is you get jacked up on Facebook by people. Well, you didn't make it. You're a loser. We attach value to people's lives all the time, all the time. We make these snap calls, like, and we do it by just looking at them. Isn't it crazy? Like, you know, what's the expression? Don't judge a book by its cover, right? Like, maybe also don't judge it by its contents, but definitely not by its cover, right? Like, we should, we do it all the time. Like, you might have walked in here today and seen somebody and just instantly wrote their story in your mind. You don't even know them. We do this all the time. I want you to see who's in the story. Simon was a leper. Now, in our version, it says Simon, who was previously a leper. If you have the NIV, it actually says Simon capitalized the and then capitalized L for leper. Like that was his name, Simon the leper. This would be like Prince, and then he became the artist formerly known as Prince, right? This guy should be Simon, previously known as the leper, because he's no longer a leper. And who else is in the story? An unnamed woman. In this culture, women had zero value. You didn't touch lepers. You didn't let women touch you. And these are the two main people in the story. Simon the leper and a woman. And, and what I love about Jesus, now this, you'd have to read it in the NIV. In our version, it says, while he was eating, a woman came in, in verse 3. But in verse 3 in the NIV, here's what it says about Jesus. As Jesus was reclining at the table of Simon the leper. Can I just make a statement? Jesus was super comfortable in the presence of bad people. Now, what about us? Well, I can't be around those people. They'll make my faith melt. I would submit this in love, right? You know it's never good when a pastor says in love. I would submit that today's church is more comfortable around sin than they are around sinners. Jesus was comfortable around sinners. Matthew eleven nineteen actually says he was so comfortable around sinners that the people that didn't like him called him a friend of sinners. Like that's who Jesus was. He was a friend of sinners. You might be sitting here today, you're thinking you're too far gone. Jesus would never look your way. You'd be dead wrong. 
He was at home around people that others weren't. Here's what I love about Jesus. Jesus accepts what others reject. Or here's how I said it today, because from this beautiful waste. What others call a waste, Jesus calls beautiful. That's good news, y'all. If you're in this room and you feel like, you, man, my life has not gone the way I want it to go. Somebody call waste management, take care of me, right? Jesus looks at that and says, this could be beautiful. Speaking of that woman, let's, let's talk about what she did. She came into the room, verse 3, we read it, and she broke open an alabaster jar full of expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus, right? Now, here's what I found as I was studying. Um, this is weird. He's at a table with a former leper. A woman walks in. It's a lot of stuff going on, and she breaks open a jar, pours oil on his head. I told you that I worked at a church one time where the pastor was at the altar, and some dude that we didn't know walked up as the pastor was at the altar worshiping and praying. His eyes were closed, and he picked, this guy picked up this huge bottle of anointing oil and, like, pulled the whole thing out on the pastor, like suit, coat, tie, the whole deal, covered in oil. It was weird. That's what happened right here with Jesus. This lady walks in and she pours this, and, she, and that's weird, but here's, here's what got my attention as I studied it. What she did wasn't uncommon. I didn't know that. Do you know it was common in that day to anoint the head of a guest with oil? So when, when, the, when the, the people responded the way that they did, and, and it says the people got indignant, some of the other gospels that relate the same story, they don't say it was some people. What they'll say is, it says the disciples got indignant. The disciples turned to Jesus and said, why this waste? This money could have been given to the poor. Here's the deal. What she did was not uncommon. I'm hearing myself preach right now. I'm good, y'all. If you can't figure out how to use your technology, just leave. You just got to walk out, right? That's what you got to do. It's all good. It wasn't what she did that was uncommon, okay? And something happened that was different because all the, all the people around were like, <gasps> what has she done? Here's what she did that was so uncommon. It wasn't what she did. It was how she did what she did. Let me, let me say it like this. It's not what, it's no matter what, okay? It's not what, it's no matter what. See, typically, you would anoint your guest's head with oil. You just wouldn't pour out a year's worth of oil. So she did something common, but in a very uncommon way. Can I just submit that worship is not a what? Worship isn't like, she, well, it's just something I do. It's not about what you do. It's about who you do it for, who you do it to. It's not what, it's no matter what. I, I, want, I want a passion like this woman had. I want, to, I want to go all in on Jesus. I want to give him everything that I have, no matter what. I want to live a life marked by, let's just call it, no matter what worship. All right? So let me give you a couple examples. You ready? I want to worship him no matter what the cost. In this case, a year's worth of wages. No matter what it costs me to worship Jesus, I want to worship him like that. I want to worship him no matter what the situation. I thought about Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas in prison, right? 
In prison, not good. At midnight, also not good. And at, in prison at midnight, Acts says this, that they were grumbling and complaining about the food. That's not what it says, right? I mean, it says that at midnight, Paul and Silas in prison were praising. They were worshiping no matter what the situation. I want to worship no matter what the outcome. This woman did not care what they thought. She's going to pour this on Jesus anyway, no matter what the outcome. And I want to worship no matter what the risk. I thought about 1 Kings 18, Mount on Mount Carmel. Elijah's on Mount Carmel, and he's fixing to have this showdown with a bunch of false prophets. And they're like, um, let's go. And he went all in. He, like, built built the fire, I mean, built all the stuff, like made, set the, the wood around. He filled up water, soaked it all with water. And he just started calling on God. And he's like, I'm all in on this moment, no matter what the risk, because it's possible, God, that you won't even show up, but I don't care. I'm going all in. I want to worship God like that. I want to worship God no matter what the cost, situation, outcome, or risk there's an interesting verse um, Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy chapter 12. So in Deuteronomy, you don't have to turn there, Deuteronomy chapter 12, God is giving the Israelites this um, instruction. He's saying, look, you're going to go into the promised land, and when you get into the promised land, here's what's going to happen. So he starts describing life in the promised land. This is really important for Israel because all they knew was life in slavery, right? So they're going to go into the promised land, and he's explaining, when you get there, here's what you're going to find. And in verse 8, One of the translations, the New Living Translation, here's what it says in verse 8. God tells them, when you get into the promised land, your pattern of worship will change. That's powerful. And here's why he said that. You've been slaves, and all you're used to doing is whatever somebody tells you you have to do. Have you ever been in church, and uh, the worship is great, and you kind of get caught up in the moment, you know, and then the worship leader says, like, everybody raise your hands. I think, we, I think I actually did that this morning, right? And so you're like, you're into it, right? And then, like, everybody put them down. Put them down. And then the chorus comes, everybody raise them again. Spin around. Have you ever found yourself doing things? You're like, why am I doing this? This is crazy. And if you really stop and think about it, you're only doing it because they told you to, right? Like, worship turns into this Simon Says game. The pattern of worship that most of us know is do what I'm told to do. But the pattern of worship in the promised land, somebody say, come on, is you want to. No matter what, I am giving Jesus my worship. No matter what. If nobody else worships with me, I don't care. I'm giving him my worship. Not because I, I was told to, not because I have to, not because good Christians do that kind of stuff, but because I've got nobody else, just me. I've got, I have Jesus. I'm all in on this moment. This building is not our promised land. But can I call you to a new pattern of worship? Can I call our church to this no matter what worship style? It just says, I don't care. I don't, care. I don't care what's going on in my life, around my life. I'm going to worship. And it's not going to be something that I do for Jesus. And I love this in the scripture. Jesus said, what she has done to me is beautiful. And sometimes what we do, we sing about God. 
We kind of get near God. But the beautiful worship is what we give to God. Here's why that's so important. Because when you read Bible stories, do you ever pick out who you want to be? I'm always the hero, right? You want to be like, I want to be the woman. I, mean, I know it sounds weird for me to say that, but I want to be the woman, right? Because she's like the hero. Woo! But in this story, we're not Simon the leper. We're not the woman. And I'm going to let you off the hook. You're not even the indignant disciples who were like, what's wrong with this chick? Do you want me to tell you who we are? We're the jar. That's who we are in the story. We talked about that last week. We talked about how Paul calls us jars of clay. And what that means is that brokenness is not possible. Brokenness is a guarantee. All of us will be broken at some point in our lives. Uh, Well, that's not even true. All of us will be broken at many points in our lives, right? Brokenness is not possible. It's not I hope I never get broken. We're going to be broken. We're going to be this jar. We're going to get broken open. John 10.10 says this, the enemy comes to destroy us, but Jesus comes to give us life. So here's what I want you to, third point. Satan is an equal opportunity destroyer, but God is an equal opportunity restorer. Our enemy might be a destroyer, but God is a restorer. And here is why that's so important. If we don't believe in that statement, if we don't believe that, then brokenness will always be the end in our lives. But if we believe that God can restore, then brokenness is not the end. As a matter of fact, if we believe that God can restore, then breakthrough is always on the other side of brokenness. Man, I preached way too good for y'all to be like, I'm I'm not saying put me on TV. I'm just saying that's God's word, y'all. That's good stuff. Our breakthrough, your breakthrough is on the other side of your brokenness. And when we become broken and we're like, I guess that's it. I guess my lot in life is to barely make it through. Then we don't believe that God is a restorer. But he is. And so when we get broken, here's how you get from brokenness to the breakthrough. You praise through. That's how you do it. You ever seen somebody like get victory and then like they never stand still, right? It's um, I didn't bring clips because you can just see it in your mind. But it's like, the people that are in, in, the, in the audience and they get called down for the prices, right? You've seen this, right? And how do they go down, right? They're like, Paul Jenkins, come on down. <laughs> Barely made it here. <sighs> That's not how they do it, right? They're like high fiving people as they're going out the aisle. They're waving their butt in people's faces. I mean, they're like going, they're on, they they got like two small clothes on two big bodies. I mean, it's crazy, right? They're like jumping everywhere, flipping down cartwheels, the whole deal. And they get down, they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. One dollar, one dollar. It's crazy, man. 
And they don't, if they get up on the platform, they don't stop there, do they? I mean, these are people who have not even won yet. They just got their name called. They're probably going to lose because they have to bid first. And they're like, they pull out some camera and they're like, $28,000. Dude. But they're so excited. That's how you get your breakthrough. You praise through the brokenness to get your breakthrough. Our pattern of worship changes. That's no matter worship. No matter what worship. Our pattern of worship changes from something we do for God to something that we give to God. Um, Let's see if we can make a really tight segue here. Hey, Ben, you want to come back up? Good. That worked out well. Um, Worship becomes more personal than performance. This woman, she was not looking at these men. I wonder what they think of me right now. She didn't care. When we're broken open, listen, when we're broken open and we are poured out before Jesus. I love this in John chapter 8. This is where John tells the same story that Mark is telling But John adds this little detail because John's a detailed guy, right? So John says that when when that jar was broken and all the oil was poured on Jesus, he says that the aroma of the perfume filled the room. Listen, when we worship with no matter what worship, it changes the atmosphere. The thing is, we're joking about people and prices, right? But when, when somebody reacts like that, it tends to cause the other people that are in line who are a little ticked off because they hadn't gotten up on the stage yet, they kind of start to get a little excited too, don't they? I mean, usually it's not like, Wah! I mean, they kind of feed off that energy. Like they, they change the atmosphere of the room. I'm just telling you, we don't change the atmosphere because, like, we're sitting back waiting. And can I just encourage you with this? Nothing ignites people like restoration. Yesterday, people were walking through the building, and, man, we got so many comments. People would say stuff like, man, I haven't been in here since it was man's department store. Or I haven't been in here since it was Kimbrell's. Some guy told me he used to shop at Winn-Dixie in this place. I was like, it was a what? I think that CC in our church worked here when it was Winn-Dixie. Like when we were writing the scriptures on the wall, CC wrote his scripture at the very place where he used to, like, I think, cut meat in CC. I mean, in, in CC's. Oh, God, I'm so confused. CC should work in CC's, right? He'd be like, welcome to me. Like, Sorry. That was funny. But here's what they kept saying. I can't believe it looks like this. Do you know the prophet Isaiah? He prophesied that we would, as a church, be the restorer of cities. It's in the Bible. That we would be restored. But here's how you restore cities. Not by buildings. You don't restore buildings. I mean, people get excited about that. But you restore cities because you restore the people in the city. And when you restore the hearts of the people in the city, those people become the restoration of the city. 
I'm just telling you, it's not about a building. It's about us. And God's restoring us. And when he restores us, the city becomes like the people around, the crazy people on Price is Right. And they're like, I don't even know what's going on, but it's so exciting. One dollar. That's what we get to do. So listen, we got four nights to praise through to our breakthrough, but I, I don't want to wait till tonight. So I preached fast. I preached super fast so we could spend a little bit of time in worship at the end. So I want you to stand where you are. And, and I want to call you to just wrap this morning up. I mean, it's grand opening Sunday and all this stuff. But you know that the grand opening at the church doesn't stop what's happening in your life. And some of you are facing some really insurmountable odds. You're facing brokenness, staring straight at it. And I'm telling you, if you'll praise through the brokenness, your breakthrough is on the other side of that brokenness. And so I want to call you this morning. Come, come worship. Let's close this time out. The band's going to lead us in a song or maybe two or 500, whatever, right? And if you've got a need, man, you come here and worship. Someone's going to put their hand on your shoulder, and we're going to wrap this thing up praying and praising together. So, Father, in your name, Jesus, we believe this, God. Just like when that jar got broken and oil was poured out before Jesus on Jesus and the aroma filled the room. God, we want to be marked as a people who will worship no matter what God because you have called our name and we are jacked about the opportunity to be near you and we're going to give you our best worship God we're not going to hold it back it doesn't matter what people think it just matters that Jesus has called my name and my breakthrough is on the other side of the brokenness that I'm looking at right now meet us God as we sing and worship as we pray for one another your name Jesus Amen. so there is no rush okay I have ended early so we can spend time together so don't rush out the door you got plenty of time to get your children okay I'll come back up and we'll dismiss when it's time for that I've given you the margin now I'm calling you to come fill that margin with Jesus